SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yura Damarang, I'm your host Luana Grant and welcome to NITV Radio for this Wednesday the 16th of August. Coming up on the show today, NITV Radio chats to President and Founder of Turbans for Australia, 2023 Australian of the Year Local Hero and Chair Diversity Now Australia, Amar Singh, who has embarked on a two-month road trip around the country in support of the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. Also coming up on today's show, migrant and faith groups have come together in Victoria to pledge their support for the Yes campaign in the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. And I chat to Miles Russell-Cook, National Gallery of Victoria's Senior Curator of Australian and First Nations Art, about the My Country, Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions, a national exhibition pairing eight emerging First Nations artists with esteemed mentors, the first initiative of its kind in Australia. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy the native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, leading No campaigner Warren Mundine has confirmed he kicked people off the campaign because of bigoted comments. Over 80 multicultural and multi-faith communities have gathered at Parliament House to support an Indigenous voice to Parliament. And Noel Pearson's latest bid to rally support for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. The No campaign opposing an Indigenous voice to Parliament in the upcoming referendum is facing pressure to reveal details of two volunteers who were fired for expressing racist views. Leading No campaigner Warren Mundine has confirmed he kicked people off the campaign because of bigoted comments. It follows other revelations that a fellow leading No advocate posted racist messages to social media regarding high-profile Indigenous people. David Adler, an advisory board member of conservative lobby group Advance, questioned Lydia Thorpe and Stan Grant's Indigenous identity in several derogatory posts. Mr Mundine declined to name the fired volunteers, but he told ABC Radio that he simply refused to put up with the pair's offensive comments. They're not prominent people. Uh, they were, were people who were working for us as volunteers and that, and I'm not going to accept those type of things. And it wasn't uh, particularly about Aboriginals. One was a very anti-Semitic comment, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to wear that crap. 
In Victoria, over 80 multicultural and multi-faith communities have gathered at Parliament House to support an Indigenous voice to Parliament. The groups say they're acknowledging the important role our diverse communities play in achieving constitutional recognition of First Nations people. Chief Executive of the Ethnic Communities Council of Victoria, Mo El Rafihi, says the multicultural communities have an important role to play in the upcoming referendum. This referendum is important and multicultural communities will be really important to achieving a successful vote with First Nations people at this referendum. Just as we value the richness of our various heritages, we share a common responsibility to work together in shaping a better future for all. We are the multicultural voices for yes and together let us take this responsibility and move Australia forward. Blaming Indigenous people for not closing the gap with non-Indigenous people could be legitimate if they get a say in decision-making. That suggestion is part of Noel Pearson's latest bid to rally support for an Indigenous voice to Parliament set to be voted on in October. Delivering the oration on Monday evening at the Queensland University of Technology, Mr Pearson says he has been advocating for two decades for self-determination and our right to take responsibility. But give us a say in the decisions that are made about us. This is the message of the voice. By having a voice, we will be responsible for closing the gap. We will be as responsible as the government for the results. With power will come responsibility. The federal, state and territory governments have approved two national plans to support efforts to lower rates of violence against women and children. For the first time, the action plan includes goals to end violence, including a 25% reduction in the number of female victims of intimate partner homicide each year. A dedicated Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander action plan lays out a strategy for decreasing and eventually eliminating high incidents of family, domestic and sexual violence in Indigenous communities. It is the first specialised plan that recognises that the underlying causes of violence in First Nations communities differ from those in non-Indigenous Australians, and it was designed in collaboration with Indigenous advisory groups. Renters and social housing advocates are awaiting the results of a national cabinet meeting where federal, state and territory authorities are under pressure to address a growing crisis. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is set to host his colleagues in Brisbane today amid his government's blocked multi-billion dollar housing fund. Renter issues were not addressed enough by the Coalition and Greens, who blocked a $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund in the Senate. While the fund would provide 30,000 social and affordable homes in its first five years, the Greens had called for a rent freeze in exchange for their support. Greens housing spokesperson Max Chandler-Mather told the ABC that unrestricted rent hikes will strain Australians financially. Rents are going up at the fastest rate in 35 years. The Reserve Bank has said it's going to go up even faster over the next 12 months. We've had analysis that found that renters, if rents aren't frozen, will pay an extra $4.9 billion of rent over the next 12 months alone. That is a $4.9 billion tsunami heading the way of already financially stressed renters. It would be extraordinary if a bunch of Labor state premiers and prime minister decided they were going to lock in unlimited rent increases at a time when renters are suffering the worst they've suffered in generations. New video evidence suggests that fallen power lines were a possible cause of the deadly Maui wildfires that struck a week ago. 
The deadliest wildfire in a Hawaiian island in the US in more than a century devoured homes and businesses, killing at least 99 people, leaving dozens missing and many feared dead. Hawaiian Electrical Company faces criticism for not shutting off the power amid severe wind warnings and keeping it on even as dozens of poles began to fall. A class action lawsuit has already been filed, seeking to hold the company responsible for the damage. The suite cites documents from the company indicating it was aware that preemptive power shutoffs, such as those used in California, were an effective strategy to prevent wildfires but never adopted them. Hawaiian Electric has declined to comment on the accusations in the lawsuit. Palliative Care Australia and Dementia Australia have released a series of recommendations to deliver better quality of care for dementia patients. The joint policy statement makes nine recommendations, including compulsory dementia and palliative care education for all health and care professionals involved in the delivery of care for people living with dementia. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare predicts the number of people in Australia with dementia is expected to double from current estimates. Chief Executive Officer of Palliative Care Australia, Camilla Rowland, says the recommendations hope to improve services for carers and families who are often under a lot of stress in supporting a loved one with the disease. Look, we would really like to see the cognitive needs of people looked at uh, more closely as well as their physical needs. For carers and family, it's often quite a long journey. It's, it's really something that takes the whole family to support that situation and to help support that person through their illness. Australian academics have helped lead the world in developing new international guidelines to improve the health of women with polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS. About 1 in 10 women suffer from the condition, with symptoms including excessive hair growth and heavy irregular periods. The Monash University-led evidence-based guideline involved input from 5,000 health professionals and women, developed by more than 100 experts and patients across 71 countries. The publication includes 254 recommendations to health professionals in an effort to encourage consistent care for women with PCOS. Professor Helena Teed from the University Monash's Centre for Health Research led the project and says there is still a lot of confusion around the condition. The main problem with this condition is it's underdiagnosed, underrecognized, and very much neglected. It's often thought about as an ovary-only disease and that it involves cysts on the ovary, and neither are correct. But that's a historical uh, layover from an incorrect name when we didn't understand the condition. So what we're aiming to do here is to develop the best evidence-based practice um, uh, recommendations for women and for their health professionals and for those affected by PCOS to make sure that they get a timely diagnosis and really trustworthy, um, accurate information about how to manage their condition. And in sport, excitement is building amongst fans as Australia prepares to play against its biggest rival England tonight in the FIFA World Cup semi-final. Over 80,000 people are expected to pack a sold-out stadium Australia tonight, while thousands of others will tune in from live sites across the country. Many, including Matilda's goalkeeper, Mackenzie Arnold, consider this to be the biggest moment in Australian and women's sport. 
the legacy that we wanted to leave uh, throughout this World Cup um, to inspire the generation coming through, I think um, we've done more than that. I think we've done more than what we thought that we would accomplish. Um, obviously, we're not done yet, but um, just, again, to see the reaction um, that we've received from the whole country has been absolutely unreal, and I think this is only the beginning. The winner of the game will advance to the final against Spain on Sunday. And now a look at today's weather. Perth, a shower or two clearing, 17. Adelaide, a shower or two, 19. Melbourne, sunny, 16. Hobart, partly cloudy, 16. Aubrey-Wodonga, also partly cloudy and 16. Canberra, partly cloudy, 15. Wollongong, a shower or two, 17. Sydney, similar, 18. Newcastle, a shower or two, 20. Brisbane, partly cloudy, 24. Townsville, sunny, 27. Cairns, also sunny, 27. Alice Springs, mostly sunny, 32. Darwin, much the same, 32. And the Torres Strait Islands, sunny, 30. And that is NITV Radio News. NITV Radio. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the program, Miles Russell-Cook, National Gallery of Victoria Senior Curator of Australian and First Nations Art, chats to NITV Radio about the My Country, Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions, a national exhibition pairing eight emerging First Nations artists with esteemed mentors. And migrant and faith groups have come together in Victoria to pledge their support for the Yes campaign in the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. But first, President and Founder of Turbans for Australia, 2023 Australian of the Year Local Hero and Chair Diversity Now Australia Amar Singh has embarked on a two-month road trip around the country in support of the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. Amar set off on his trip a few weeks ago and will cover 25,000 kilometres over two months where he'll meet with and engage with multicultural communities promoting the Yes Vote. NITV Radio was able to chat to Amar while he's on the road to find out more. Amar, thanks so much for joining me today on NITV Radio. It's really great to have you on. And also thanks so much for making the time to chat because I know you're really busy and you're on the road. Whereabouts are you now? Well, I'm diving in from the top end. I'm in Keynes and uh, going further up towards Cape York and been driving since the 1st of August uh, when I left home in Sydney. Wow. And as I mentioned, you have launched a roadshow travelling around the country to urge those from uh, diverse ethnic, religious and cultural backgrounds to support an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Can you please tell us more about this and when did you decide this was something that you wanted to do? Well, this, uh, this is something that just came naturally to me uh, as a person of ethnic background and a proud Australian. I want our society to be more inclusive of everyone and more equal. So having a dis- acknowledgement for the First Nations people is a perfect way to acknowledge all of the wrongdoings in the past. And I think this is something that's, that has been driven by the Indigenous and First Nations uh, people themselves, uh, being the voice to Parliament. So I think we can't go wrong with this. And 
I really wanted um, you know religious and minority communities to get on board with this to say that look, this is a very important milestone as uh, for us as a country, um, not just nationally but internationally to recognise our First Nations people. And what are your thoughts on the voice to Parliament on more of a personal level? What do you want to see for this country and our society if the referendum is successful? Like I said, I want our country to be more fair, accepting of everyone and acknowledging the wrongdoings in the past. And I think this way, this is one way of doing it, uh, to acknowledge all the hurt caused to the First Nations people and actually give them a seat on the table um, to discuss their issues firsthand. I was lucky enough to see the Uluru Statement from the Heart uh, in the original just a couple of days ago in Brisbane uh, when Professor Megan Davis was there. And, you know, so many and so many of the elders and Indigenous country people have signed it to endorse it. So it just shows you how important this is for them. And, and I think as a country where my kids are going to grow up, every, you know, in the future generation, it's going to make life better for them as well as a whole society. And how do you hope to encourage people to be informed about the referendum and what sort of ways will you be engaging with communities and those from multicultural backgrounds to have these conversations and discussions on your roadshow? Um, so I'm getting in touch uh, with a lot of the migrant communities right around uh, uh, the major cities and some regional towns. Um, they're sort of hosting me for uh, talks and discussions around this and also visiting a lot of places of worship uh, community gatherings and uh, uh, many Indigenous communities along the way as well, and also some of uh, the Yes campaign, uh, uh, you know, uh, stalls as well uh, along the way. So it's been sort of a um, uh, very mixture of everything, but I think my main thing is as Australians, we can be part of a very democratic process and we should put our best foot forward and make it count. Um, I'm encouraging people to vote yes because that's what I personally believe in, that this will make our country a better place. And, of course, it's it's a mission that has been started by the First Nations people, Torres Strait Islander themselves, so we can't go wrong. And the City of Sydney's first Aboriginal councillor, Arnie Yvonne Weldon, accompanied you along the first part of your journey, I believe, as you set off last week from New South Wales Parliament House. Who else will you be joined by along the way? And also, how long will you be on the road for? So I'm on the road for two months, and it's about 25,000 plus k's. You know, yesterday wow. I did a long sting of <laughs> nearly 1,100 k's from Rocky to Cane and coming through some of those, uh, you know, sugarcane farms. It was just absolutely amazing. But look, I, I was really thankful to, uh, you know, Council Weldon for jumping on board as a First Nations person elected in Sydney, the city of Sydney, and give her blessings. You know, she also did the acknowledgement to the country. So it, it's absolutely amazing to have the support from the First Nations people themselves. But along the way, I am going to have a lot of interfaith leaders jump in the van with me uh, in the cities and also uh, sports people like Craig Foster. He's put his hand up, internet Latif, uh, media and diversity guru. So many politicians have asked uh, to be part of this as well. And I think this is us as human beings, what as, you know, as Aussies we can do to bring a country together. And I sincerely believe in this mission. And I believe you'll be making around 100 stops in total. What are some of the towns that you will be visiting and going through? So um, on the main trip, I'm following the coastline around. uh, You know, I'm in Keynes today, going up to Archie River, then up to Normanhurst, into Tenerfield, Alice Darwin, Broome, uh, across the uh, sort of the the west coast and into Perth and into Adelaide, um, Melbourne, Tassie, and then... Canberra, Sydney. But the second part of this is actually going to be into regional 
New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia mm-hmm. because I don't want our regional communities to miss out. So I'm already, already getting a lot of calls um, and emails from uh, regional towns to say, hey, are you going to be coming to our town? We, you know, we want to host you. So there is a lot of, um, uh, I would say, enthusiasm around this. Uh, and I think being the 2023 Australian local hero, um, people really sincerely believe in this stuff, you know. So um, I really want people to to come at strongly in support of this voice and along the way make new friends and see our beautiful country. Yeah, and you will be hosting some forums. Will you be, uh, you'll also be engaging community members from the local areas uh, to be speaking at those events as well? Um, that's definitely right, yeah. We will be have different forums. Uh, so some are being organised by uh, our coordinators in different states uh, and towns, and others are being organised by, you know, parliamentarians or community groups. So it's a, it's a bit of a mixture, and the yeah, public is welcome to attend any of those. We will meet, uh, keep making them public uh, as we go along, so please follow our social media and website. And the truck that you're travelling in has been decorated with Aboriginal artwork. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I've seen the photos and it looks it looks beautiful. Yeah, so I saw the, the, the Westbrook Eagle at Addy Road Pantry here in Sydney and because uh, they're our regular partners when it comes to charity stuff. And um, I was intrigued by it and asked who's done that and they said Auntie Cathy. So, of course, speaking of Auntie Cathy, I said, look, Auntie, I need this drawing for my truck. So I explained it to her and then Georgia as well. They put together the artwork for us and the indigenous man sort of, you know, uh, hunting with a spear and Auntie made, made a point that she's got the spear towards the sky so it, it's sort of upward and forward motion mm. uh, and it's just been so nice to have blessings of so many elders, you know, I had people just, you know, give you hugs left, right and centre to say thank you for standing up as an Australian from ethnic background because it's very important that we not only just ask for what's needed for our religious or ethnic communities but also ask and support what is needed for our wider society. You are travelling around informing people and encouraging people to support the Voice to Parliament, but what have you taken away since being on this journey and meeting with different people in the community? Uh, look, definitely I've seen a lot of grassroots sports, uh, support for the for this cause. Um, I know some of the you know reports out there. And, and, sorry. <clears throat> uh, I've seen a lot of grassroots support uh, for the S campaign, I know there are many contradicting reports out there and people saying it's, you know, many Indigenous people are against this as well. Look, we can't expect the whole Indigenous community to be on one side because that's just not a community. In a community, you have people from different belief systems, different opinions, and that's what makes our community and societies a better place. So if there are Indigenous leaders who don't think it goes far enough or people who think it's not a good idea, that's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. But what I'm hearing from the wider community and people from non-Indigenous backgrounds as well, they're fully behind this. And has there been people voicing their concerns about not having an opinion yet or undecided on which way they're going to vote? Uh, there, are, there have been some, yes, who, who are undecided or their family members are and they're, they're, they're still uh, you know, going out there on the street talking to people and talking to Indigenous uh, leaders as well and elders to, to get what's needed by them. So I think that's sort of really reassuring. I know it's a sort of a very tricky and insensitive time for Indigenous people as well to be sort of, you know, be in the spotlight in this way and be sharing their, their grief and pain of, of generations. But I think this is something that needs to be done. And they're, they're really standing proud and tall. And, and I really appreciate that from the Indigenous leaders coming out in, in force and in numbers to be supporting the voice campaign and, and educating others. 
And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to mention about this roadshow that you're doing and the outcomes that you hope to see at the completion? Yeah, so this final thing is just please uh, follow our social media. Um, there's a GoFundMe set up as well. If you can donate, please do support us um, because there's a lot of time and effort and money that's needed for, for these, um, you know, days and days of driving and fuel and accommodations. Um, the outcome I hope for is a better united and more multicultural, harmonious society because this is where I'm going to grow old. My family's going to be, you know, growing up as well. So this is definitely going to make our country a, a more better place. And if you look at internationally, this is going to put Australia on the the map again for being uh, world first in, in recognising the First Nations people's rights and and also moving forward with this in 2023. I think it's it's a really um, right step in a positive direction. Thank you so much, Amar, for taking the time out to chat with me on your trip, and all the best with it. Thanks so much for chatting today. Thank you. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back to NITV Radio. Still to come on the program, Miles Russell-Cook, National Gallery of Victoria's Senior Curator of Australian and First Nations Art, chats to NITV Radio about the My Country, Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions. But now to a story by SBS News. Migrant and faith groups have come together in Victoria to pledge their support for the Yes campaign in the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. Despite a trend in recent opinion polls showing growth of opposition to the referendum proposal, leading no campaigners say they can't get complacent. Esme Bamblett is from the First People's Assembly of Victoria. She's been campaigning in support of the Indigenous Voice to Parliament, but says she wants it to be a group effort. We need allies to get the voice over the line. We need allies to vote yes because we can't do it on our own. We didn't do it in the 1967 referendum on our own. 90.77% of the people who voted were non-Aboriginal and they voted yes. Now there's been a show of solidarity for The Voice from more than 80 Victorian cultural and faith groups. Asmina Hussain is the chairperson for the Islamic Museum of Australia. It's essentially living from our own experiences. Um, If we don't provide an opportunity or a platform for our First Nations people to be heard, um, I don't know how we advance equality and opportunity for everyone. Chair of the African Music and Cultural Festival, Fred Alale AM, says the migrant experience shares crucial similarities with Indigenous Australians. We um, empathise with um, those barriers and those challenges that the Aboriginal communities in Victoria and Australia um, have been through and uh, are experiencing. Uh, Barriers such as um, being different, uh, barriers of not having 
having as much opportunities as others do. Um, barriers uh, such as being accepted and feeling welcome and feeling a sense of belonging. Um, Australia's been good personally to me. However, I know a lot of migrants don't have the same story and have more challenges and I think there's still work we need to do. Nearly 60% of people who speak a language other than English at home intend to approve the question posed in the upcoming referendum, according to a recent poll. But other surveys indicate a general downward trend in support, with campaigners like Northern Territory Senator Jacinta Price still rallying against calls to vote yes in an interview with Sydney Radio 2GB. And I think Australians will turn around and say... No, we, we won't be told. We won't be told um, how to suck eggs as a nation. Uh, and they'll demonstrate that uh, at the referendum when they go to vote, I think. Opposition leader Peter Dutton is also still firmly in the no camp, insisting on nines today that Anthony Albanese and his government haven't explained the voice properly. I think millions of Australians just want to be treated like adults. They want the information from their Prime Minister and the PM's taken a deliberate decision not to supply the information about the voice and answer the questions that are validly being asked. But the migrant group's push for the Yes campaign has found some political support. Victorian parliamentarians like Gabrielle Williams, the state's Minister for Treaty and First Peoples, sees opportunity in the state's diverse communities and a Yes vote. It is our greatest gift in this country, but we send no stronger message about that than delivering a Yes for the voice by showing that respect to our founding Australians, our first Australians, about what we need to be as, as, as a country going forward. Deborah Grok, SBS News. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. National Gallery of Victoria and Country Road have teamed up for the My Country, Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions, which is a national exhibition pairing up eight emerging First Nations artists with esteemed mentors who will support and guide artists as they create artwork reflecting the theme My Country. This is the first initiative of its kind in Australia, with artists using a range of creative mediums ranging from weaving, installation and painting. The exhibition for the Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions will be held in March 2024 at the Ian Potter Centre at the National Gallery of Victoria. I had the pleasure of chatting to Miles Russell Cook, NGV's Senior Curator of Australian and First Nations Art, where he explains further about the mentorship program. Miles, thanks so much for joining me for a chat on NITV Radio to discuss this great initiative. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> Firstly, you are the Senior Curator, Australian and First Nations Art at the National Gallery of Victoria, and the Country Road and NGV First Nations Commissions is a new mentorship program for emerging First Nations artists. Can you just talk us through this initiative? Yeah, absolutely. So, um as you said, it's a new it's a new initiative, and the idea is really that we have worked to with Country Road and um, at the NGV we've identified a series of really senior and established practitioners, arts practitioners, um, one from each of the states and territories around the country, and then all of those 
um, kind of senior artists are working as mentors and they've identified some emerging artists who they're working together with to produce their most ambitious body of work to date. Um, so it's a it's a big mixture. Um, it's the first initiative of its kind in that it's it's genuinely national, um, and we've got some really extraordinary senior artists who have identified some amazing new talent. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty exciting um, initiative that will kind of culminate in a big exhibition next year. Yeah, and I will get to that um, a little later, but this is the first partnership between the National Gallery of Victoria and Country Road. How did the partnership come about? Yeah, it is. Um, Well, Country Road's done a lot of work with um, First Nations and Indigenous communities, and they've um, been working out of the Down Aboriginal Art Fair and done some work with the Fashion Festival up there. So I think it's something that they have really been wanting to build into their um, into their kind of programming. It's something they genuinely care about. We at NGV also, it's kind of one of the, working with First Nations art is one of the core pillars of what we do. So it was a pretty natural alignment and they kind of came to us and said that as part of their, I guess, mission was that they wanted to just um, you know, be led by us in terms of where they could make the most impact. And this was an area that we identified really could help to transform an emerging artist and take them to that kind of next level. Um, and there isn't anything like this. You know, we've got a lot of really well-known, really amazing artists who are doing mentoring anyway, but it's there's not any kind of like formalised programs for mentors and mm. kind of recognising that role um, for First Nations artists. So, yeah, it, that's kind of how it came about, but it's it's pretty exciting. Um, I already know what some of the artists are producing and I'm not going to say what it is, but, yeah, like they're very, very ambitious, which is great. And can you talk us through how the mentorship program works? Like what was the process for pairing each artist with a mentor and choosing the mentors and artists? Was there a selection process that that you, they had to go through or how, how did that work? So we identified the mentors for mm-hmm. each of the states and territories and then the mentors identified an emerging artist who they wanted to work with. And that's kind of what I mean by the fact that, you know, most of these people are already doing mentoring. You know, it's something that all First Nations artists and all First Nations people do. Mm. It, you know, the importance of intergenerational knowledge transfer and giving back to the next generation is something that is really kind of core to how I think most of us operate anyway. Um, it, was, it was a unique and a new model for NGV because it's quite, we don't have any control <laughs> over what's going to be produced. Mm. And I think at the gallery, you know, we're pretty used to being the ones, you know, in control of what the exhibition is going to look like. But in this case, it was about really identifying people who are very, very senior and very established and have worked with institutions, worked at big scales, worked across media, have really built a pretty extraordinary career for themselves. And we know that they're going to take this really seriously. And, you know, they really all are in terms of helping to kind of produce something that is just that next level for for these emerging artists. I know you touched on it a bit before, but how important is a mentorship program like this for emerging First Nations artists? I mean, I I think it's so so important. And like I said, we don't have anything like this, but this is um, something that most 
people, you know, most First Nations people are doing anyway. Um, and it's a diff- like different types of mentorship as well, you know, whether it's cultural mentorship or whether it's uh, mentorship of how you work with institutions, mentorship, you know, artistically in terms of actually producing new materials or working at a scale that you've never worked at before and all of that sort of thing, you know, the, the purpose is that we don't want the next generation to have the same hurdles that, you know, we've all been through or experienced. And so I think it's really important. And I think that all of the artists, well, I know that all of the artists have taken it incredibly seriously, um, which, you know, is not a surprise, but it's kind of interesting. We went out to, to ask the mentors and had like a, a dream list of the absolute, you know, who would be our absolute top choice. And they all said yes. And I was kind of expecting at least mm-hmm. half of them to say no and us to mm-hmm. go to who would our next choice be. But I think they all understood just how important something like this is and the opportunity to, to really give back. I think that's what motivated a lot of a lot of them. Yeah, it's a great initiative and program. And can you talk us through some of the different art forms that the artists are using to create their works? Yeah, they're all, they're all doing really different things. And um, we, you know, we, we're ranging from like beautiful um, works on paper and collage, uh, installation, there are, you know, kinetic pieces, there are artists who are working um, kind of re- reclaiming or re-energizing um, cultural practices, traditional cultural practices. We've got artists who are working in textile and sculpture and, you know, it's painting, it's kind of, it's everything. Um, and one of the things that's been really interesting is, you know, when some of the mentors identified their, um, the artists that they really wanted to work with, I thought in my head, oh, I probably know what that artist's going to do because I'd heard of them before. And mostly they've all really surprised me by saying that they want to use this opportunity to do something they haven't done before right. or to really kind of take them to out of their comfort zone or to that next level and really wanting to kind of, yeah, um, challenge themselves. Um, and whether that's working in a new media or whether that's working at a new scale or just, you know, this idea that they've had for years and years but never had the budget to do it, finally this has been the opportunity to do that. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty rich show. And I believe there's a theme for the, uh, the, the series, which is My Country. Can you talk us through the theme and how that was how that came about, how that was chosen? Yeah. So the theme for this first exhibition, because this is going to be a recurring program, um, for the first exhibition, the theme is My Country. And that really came about at thinking of this as a, as a national project that is, you know, going around the grounds of Australia, representatives from every state and territory. What's the thing that we, you know, all share in common? And obviously the concept of country is so unique and so powerful for first peoples. And it's something that we thought each artist would be able to make their own, but it wouldn't also be too um, kind of prescriptive or too limiting because you, you can do a lot within that theme. But it's about thinking about place, thinking about connection um, to place, thinking about custodianship of lands and of waterways and what country means. Um, and each of the artists have done something that's really kind of um, challenged that as a theme in a really interesting way. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. 
And as you mentioned a little earlier, there will be a major exhibition next year in March at yep. the National Gallery of Victoria. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? I can. Although one of the kind of exciting things about this whole partnership is I don't really know <laughs> what the exhibition is going to look like, yeah. um, which is really fun. And I had someone say to me the other day, they were like, oh, you're so brave for doing this partnership. And I was like, brave? Oh, maybe I'm stupid. I hadn't thought about it. Like <laughs> but, um, you know, that, I don't think it's, it's about bravery. I think it's about trust. And we really trust all of these mentors and all of these artists. Um but the exhibition will be, yeah, in March next year in should be Australia on level three. Um, it's quite a big space. Each artist will have their own, um, their own moment. We haven't kind of curated the experience of it yet because we're obviously still resolving what the final works will look like. Um, but it's going to be an opportunity to help, you know, Artists work with a whole installation crew, a team of exhibition designers, you know, professional lighting, all of the things that can help an artist take their work to that, you know, institutional space. Um, and that's kind of a place where also we at the NGV can offer mentorship as well. And we've already had a couple of artists say, you know, I've got this idea about, you know, whether it be something like dappled lighting or something. And that's something we can we can bring as well. So there's a really nice kind of synergy at the moment. But yeah, in terms of what the actual show will look like, you probably just have to wait. <laughs> well, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to go and see it. And thank you so much, Miles, for chatting to NITV Radio today. It's been really great to have you on and all the best with the exhibition. Thank you so much for having me. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of the stories on our website at sbs.com.au. You can also find us on Facebook. NITV Radio will be back on Friday, 1 till 2 p.m., with more stories from right across the country. Today we leave you with a track by Baker Boy. I'm your host, Lawana Grant, Mandangor. See you next time. Singing the street light, howling at the moon. When I hear-